you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers, and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today's guest is our regular guest, Sophie Barrington. Sophie is a marketing agency and she specialises in horse business, and today we're going to talk to her about 10 lessons for social marketing including five signs your horse business is misusing social media and five ways to build your following on social media. How are you today, Sophie? I'm great. Thank you, Gladys. How are you? Good, good. Sophie, just tell us a little bit about social media because everyone's on social media, but tell us about social marketing. Mm. So as you can imagine, social media has created unprecedented opportunities for businesses to talk to their prospects and customers. But the most important thing we have to remember is is it social first and sales second. So for the purpose of the discussion today, going through the kind of five do's and five don'ts, I'm going to focus on Facebook as it still stands as one of the most popular platforms, not only used by horse lovers, but certainly used by horse businesses as well. But let me be clear, the do's and don'ts I'm going to share are by no means exhaustive. I've had to whittle down quite a few do's and don'ts to select just 10 for the discussion today. Okay. All right. Now, these in any particular order, Sophie, the five that you're giving us for the um, misuse of social media and the five for building up the following on social media, any countdown or any one to five or anything like that? No, not this time. It's really important um, to obviously take these five do's and don'ts on board. They're not in really any particular order. Ultimately, as I mentioned before, this list is, is not really the complete list of all the do's and all the don'ts that horse businesses need to be thinking about when they're on social media. It's just really kind of five of the top select do's and five of the top select don'ts to really be aware of at all times. All right. Well, the first one I want to talk about because we talk about instantaneous results. Now, I've heard some people talk about social marketing and basically, you know, you put a dollar in and you get $5 back in sales. Is that right? Like instantaneous? How does that work? Mm, it can be and it can't be. Mm. For many businesses, the promise of social media is a lucrative one. You know, they set up a Facebook page, they start posting about their product or service, and for a lot of them, they don't see immediate results. But the reality is, you know, in a short time, they've already decided that marketing doesn't work. And that's a really common theme that I'm obviously confronted with on a regular basis doing marketing for horse businesses is this idea of instantaneous results. Now, certainly you want to see some positive movement. You want to see some good engagement coming out of your posts. You want to have, you know, a great schedule and be posting on a regular basis. You want to be adding some traffic through to your website as a 
result of your activity on a place like Facebook. But it's really critical to understand uh, that it's not the be all and end all. And certainly marketing isn't always immediate. Now, that being said, um, it's really just understanding that it takes time to build your following. Obviously, creating trust with new customers is something that is going to certainly take time. And the same goes for leading them to the point of sale. So it's really critical that people understand that Facebook must be part of a long-term marketing strategy if it's going to be fruitful. Okay. Okay. Now we're talking about, you've got here the next one is you're ignoring Facebook analytics. I'd like you to go back a bit, you know, because again, I'm thinking, I know that while a lot of horse people with horse businesses have got a bit of an idea if they're already advertising on Facebook and they know where to go, but some people don't know. I mean, where do Mm. you go? Talk about Facebook analytics, how you actually get there. What buttons do you press? Where do you go? Mm, mm, yeah, sure. I think what it all really starts with is that sometimes none of this isn't all businesses. Now, certainly, we don't want to generalize in these conversations because there are certainly businesses doing very, very well on social media, and this isn't to discredit anyone. But a lot of the time, particularly with small to medium businesses um, that are really in the early stages of their business, uh, but certainly over time as well, you can become complacent. Is that we might be posting on Facebook without a plan. So it's really important. Um, that ultimately, if you're using social media and Facebook in particular to promote your product or your service, that if you are posting regularly, that you have to think about how it's feeding into your ultimate, your overall marketing strategy. Um, Sometimes people can post updates and run competitions and promote their products and services without really thinking about their overall plan. So what can happen as a result of this is that people might not be really going and having a look at the data that Facebook offers. Now, one thing that's really critical and what we really uh, talk about at Archer Creative and what we really value and present to our clients is ultimately being data-driven marketers. So no marketing dollar should ever be spent without monitoring a return on investment. Now, a return on investment is going to always vary uh, depending on the particular platform and how well the marketing campaign may have gone. But certainly, it's really making sure that your marketing budget is accountable and that anyone you're working with to support you with your marketing ultimately is going to be accountable too for the results that they're going to be achieving for you. So with Facebook analytics, it is part of the process and the system behind the actual page. So it's going to be under your administrative resources within Facebook itself, um, going through into there and obviously having a look at the data it presents. It can take some time to really get your head around some of the data, but really the key takeaways are understanding what your audience is made up of. Certainly the, the break down between male and female, uh, age and region is going to be a big one and making sure that if you are doing any advertising through social media, that you're targeting the right person. Now, this point in particular, without going into too much detail, it does come back to having a look at who your ideal customer is and really having a look at that buyer persona. Again, another fun little technical marketing term, which I don't want to cause any confusion with, but essentially, if you're selling a product to a female writing audience who focus on dressage and they're based in Queensland, that is the audience that you want to be promoting to on Facebook. You don't want to be wasting your dollars elsewhere. Okay, okay. All right, and I think that that's almost a lesson in itself. I'm sure you could give us 10 tips of how to set up your marketing <laughs> on Facebook. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The next one, you've passed your social media onto someone unqualified. You know, I mean, I'm thinking as a business owner, what qualifications does someone need to have into social media? 
Mm, that's a really good point. And I think that this is not to say, I think that every, ultimately every business owner in the horse industry, they need to play an active role in their marketing. Certainly my business, Archer Creative, exists to be that support system, uh, that particular right-hand man to really get the work done and make sure that your marketing is working for your bottom line. But that being said, every business owner can certainly make a difference. They can do their own marketing on their own. And certainly there are businesses out there who do have marketing staff who are going to be in charge of all of those deliverables as well. But one of the challenges here is when when marketing is put uh, in the hands of someone who isn't really qualified, and this this often happens with social media, unfortunately. Social media is something that can be very, very powerful for a business, but sometimes the importance of actually paying someone to run your social media for you and giving them the time to produce those results might lead someone to deciding to use a friend or a family member or someone else who's willing to manage the Facebook page. But most often out of the goodness of their heart, there isn't really any money um, changing hands. So unfortunately, what really can happen here and why it's important to really work with someone who is qualified on whatever basis that might be is really making sure that you're not passing it over to someone where it's going to be difficult over time to separate the personal and the professional. I have seen on occasion uh, with different businesses that typos do slip through the cracks. Uh, The page can really fall silent. It can be really hard to keep up that consistent posting if you're relying on someone who's doing it voluntarily. And it ultimately becomes harder and harder to place the blame for poor results. So cutting those costs in the short term might lead you to losing results in the long term. Okay. All right. Now the next one you've got number four here, which is in no particular order, but um, you've got you rely only on social media without considering other forms of marketing. So what happened at the beginning of this year of 2018 was that businesses really got a stark reminder of just how volatile it can be to kind of put all your eggs in one basket on a platform like Facebook. Ultimately, Facebook is a platform that can change the rules when they want and how they want. And there's not really much that we can do about it when we have a Facebook page. We only have so much control. So a true marketing mix is really what's going to be critical for a business, regardless of your budget and regardless of your product or service. So um, a true marketing mix actually incorporates the five channels of marketing and advertising. Now these are one owned, two earned, three paid, four search and number five is social. So social should form one part of your marketing strategy, but not its entirety. No business should dedicate all of their marketing budget to just one channel. The difference here is that when I have encountered uh, people in the past who won't have a website, for example, because they have a Facebook page, the difference here is that your website falls under the owned category. Your website, if you have a good website developer, is going to be something that you have complete control over that ultimately you own that platform and you can use it how you wish. Whereas on something like Facebook, which is a separate platform, something external to your business, you have to play by their rules. And it's very easy to not only ignore the rules and get penalized, but also to even know what the rules are because those algorithms are always changing. Yeah. So for people who don't have a website, because they've got a page on social media, your advice is to spend the extra money get your website and use both. Yeah. 
That's right. Yeah, it's really critical. And this isn't to say, you know, that a website build needs to be really expensive. Um, by all means, there's certainly definitely some some quite cost-effective ways of doing it, um, which we have produced for clients over the years. But basically, the key difference is just understanding uh, where social fits into the mix, that it is a really important and a very, very powerful platform which should be used and should be used well by horse businesses to promote their products and services. But it's a very, very different kettle of fish so to speak in comparison to a website which ultimately you have ownership over yep yep that's good that's good stop i need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification that is that the latest version of the book 101 careers in the horse industry is now available and the best news is that it's a free download so if you work in the horse industry if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book imagine maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats all right now the next one and i've seen this you delete or ignore negative comments or reviews what should people do if they've got a negative comment or a review Mm. Yeah, basically, it's really important to, to respond to it. That, that's really it in a nutshell. Uh, when you have, when you encounter a negative comment or review on your Facebook page, definitely reply as quickly as possible. It's very important to try and be as responsive as possible on the platform. And you really want to do it publicly. It's a really great kind of show of faith. If you see a negative comment or a negative review and you immediately reply to that person, you tag them so they get the notification and you write a positive and transparent message to really kind of counter the issue that they've raised. And then what you can do in second to that is um, if it's really necessary, if it's a, a bigger issue than just simply, you know, a one-off um, comment, then you might want to look at dealing with it privately using Facebook Messenger and just really making sure that the issue is fully resolved. The great thing about Facebook is that it really allows businesses to talk to their customers and prospects. Um, but the reality is that people expect businesses to be even more transparent on something like Facebook. So the really the wrong thing to do is to delete or to ignore any kind of negative comment or review. Ultimately, it's your opportunity to right a wrong and it's your opportunity to show off your business, how personable you are, um, the human element of your business and the fact that you actually really care about people because ultimately marketing is about doing business with people. Yep, yep. All right, so they're the five signs that your horse business is misusing social media. But now I'd like to talk about the five ways to build your following on social media. Yeah, so delving into the first one uh, that you have there, Glennis, is yeah. really getting to know your audience. And sure. this, this again, is, is something that extends beyond just Facebook, as you can imagine. But the great thing about social media platforms like Facebook in particular is it allows businesses to communicate one-to-many with prospects and customers, really adding that human element to the brand that I just talked about. Because ultimately, the most important thing is social first, sales second, and first and foremost is building relationships using your Facebook page. So when I say get to know your audience, I'm talking about 
ask questions, champion your customers and seek their feedback. After all, business isn't B2B and it isn't B2C. In my opinion, it's actually a P2P, person to person. And by focusing on your customers, you can become a brand that others know, like and trust. Yep, yep. And that's important. Yep. Mm. What about the budget? You've got set a budget for social media. What sort of budgets or what should we be looking at there? Obviously, everyone's going to vary. Yeah. That's exactly right. And and people shouldn't feel that they have to spend a certain amount on social media. The beautiful thing about social media is that you can start with a small budget. If your campaign is working, increase it. By all means, give it as much shelf life as possible. If something isn't working or isn't producing the result that you expected, you can switch you can switch things off and pause them straight away. So that's a really exciting thing about social as part of a larger digital marketing uh, universe that we really find ourselves in, which a lot of horse businesses are loving and they're really jumping on board. But that being said, what we are encountering even at Archer Creative is ultimately it is becoming harder and harder to reach customers and prospects on Facebook organically. The reality is businesses and horse businesses too, they need to be prepared to allocate a budget to their marketing, including their social media marketing. So this recent algorithm change that I talked about earlier in this discussion was uh, Facebook essentially wants to prioritize content and posts from family members and friends in your newsfeed before you see content from businesses you follow. Now, this is on the back of um, the reality of last year and, and even prior to that, where organically you're only going to reach about 1% to 3% of your audience without spending any money. And that was obviously a bit of a sad reality um, to see. But now it's actually potentially even harder. And I am seeing um, that with campaigns that we run is that we've completely changed uh, the strategy and the model of how we run campaigns. And we also have to look at... Um, you know, potentially looking at our budget and how we're allocating that to get the same results and to get better results that we've achieved in the past to build on that success for our clients. But above all, the key takeaway here for anyone who's listening is that their budget should really align with their growth goals. So if you have some quite significant objectives that you want to achieve using social media, you're going to potentially have to look at a bit more of a robust, uh, higher budget as opposed to being too conservative. So what I also want to mention here too is have a look at the life cycle stage of your business. So someone in a startup phase, they might be just testing the waters and might need to look at starting with some small some, some small daily spends to begin with. So we might be talking, you know, a couple of dollars per day and really test what works and test what doesn't. But by all means, in this early stage of your business, you do need to have a serious budget in mind. Um, but then we also look at other elements, an expansion or a growth stage your business, you might be wanting to get your product out there to new markets and reaching a wider audience. So again, you might have to look at you know your budget and make sure that you're going to be able to do that with what you're willing to spend. So it's really critical that you look at your goals and that you look at your life cycle stage when deciding on your budget. Okay, good. Now you've got the 80-20 rule, which is a Pareto principle. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about the basis. You know, what's the, what is the 80-20 rule? How does that work? 
Yeah, it's a really simple one, but unfortunately it's one that many businesses do tend to disregard. And I think it's quite easy to fall into that trap, to be quite honest with you. So like your website, many social media channels, uh, they are simply used as a mouthpiece to promote a business. It can be really easy to think, you know what, I'm going to put up a post about my product or about my service. It's a, it's a free way to get the message out there. You know, I'm sure people are going to want to hear about it. But unfortunately, that's not always going to be the case. And if you're constantly posting about your business and about your product or service, it really can be a real turnoff for a lot of people, especially on something like social media where it's social first, sales second. So what I what I mean here when we look at the 80-20 rule is 80% of the content that you share should be social in nature with only 20% focused on sales. And when I say focused on sales, any post that mentions a product or a service or talks about your business without offering something of value you, that ultimately is something to do with sales. So with social media and its purpose is to build relationships and ultimately drive sales, we have to remember that the content we create and curate, it really needs to be entertaining, educational and empowering. The sales really do come second. Okay. Now that's good. That's good. Because you've got for the fourth point, understand how Facebook can drive sales both Mm -hmm. inside and outside the platform. Yes. So with Facebook, now we do see things happen a little bit slower in Australia, certainly when they do changes to the functionality of Facebook, they're often releasing those changes to an American audience first. It does take quite a bit of time for new capabilities to come out um, in Australia and in the Asia Pacific. But with Facebook, they are continuously adding sales capabilities into the platform. So one example of what you can do now is you can upload uh, your products onto your page. And over time, they will actually enable more sales capacity through your Facebook page. So you can actually start to turn over uh, some revenue directly on Facebook. But that being said, now Facebook isn't necessarily the place where new customers will want to do business with you. As you can imagine, someone who's scrolling through their Facebook feed and sees something that piques their interest, they're probably not necessarily in the position to buy unless it's really an impulse purchase. So if you have a product that might be a little bit more expensive or might require a bit of a longer lead time. For example, with my businesses, it really takes a couple of months until a couple of years until someone decides, yes, I want to outsource my marketing. You have to understand that just because you're ready to sell doesn't mean people are ready to buy. Whereas someone who is on on Google, for example, searching for your particular product or service, particularly if you are e-commerce, they may be primed and kind of ready ready to go as soon as they land on your website. But when it comes to Facebook, it is a social platform and the intention is often going to be quite different. So what's really important here is that people understand that any sales post, ultimately what we're trying to do at this point in time with with our marketing strategy is to actually drive traffic and drive the conversation away from Facebook and towards your owned channels. So here I'm talking about a website or a landing page. And landing pages are really great um, if you want to gather data and start collecting some customer information uh, without distracting people with all the buttons and bells and whistles on your website. So Facebook, what's really critical is that it's really normally just the first step in the sales funnel. It's not necessarily where the conversation starts and ends. It's really just where the conversation begins. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look.
horsechats.com. Yeah, so you've talked before about social first and sales second, but I think that last one too, you know, you're really pushing that home, that Facebook's like a party. It's sort of like going yeah. going to a competition, meeting up with everyone, you know, how are you, introduce, catch up, everything else. And you might say to someone, oh, by the way, I'd like to come and see you during the week about such and such. You know, it's almost mm. like going away. So you again, you were saying about your own channel, which goes back to a form that you said, something you said before about having other forms of marketing, you know, so it's sort of taking them from Facebook to your own channel. So, yeah, I, I really think that's well driven home there. Yeah. What's the last point we've got here? Provide exceptional customer service on Facebook because you talked a bit before about if someone complains, this is mm. your chance to shine and staying in, in touch with your audience and your potential customers. Yeah, can you speak a little bit more about how we can provide exceptional customer service on Facebook? Mm, certainly. So fast and efficient customer service is important, but ultimately it's not just about being fast and efficient, but it's about making sure that when you do communicate with your prospects and customers that you make them feel important. So we combine all of those elements. We want fast customer service, but we ultimately want to make the customer or prospect feel important. We want to make sure they feel heard, they feel respected, and they feel listened to. So you can see why Facebook rewards responsiveness to messages. So when you are quite quick at responding to messages you receive through Facebook Messenger, you actually can essentially turn on a badge on your Facebook page. And this is a really good credit to the fact that you are quick at yep. replying to messages. And that's obviously part of customer service is you want to be nice and fast. Um, unfortunately, the nature of Facebook is it is a 24-7 outlet. So you have to be prepared to provide some customer service after hours. But if you do that, you do start to put yourself ahead of your competitors who aren't willing or who too are too slow uh, to be as responsive as you are. So more and more what people are doing is they're actually using uh, Facebook and other social media platforms to contact businesses. So it's not as common really anymore for someone to go onto a website and grab a phone number or email address. It's really becoming more common for them to jump onto Facebook and send through a message because the nature of the platform is quite instantaneous. They do expect to be uh, replied to a lot faster than some of the more old school methods. So Facebook does provide you with the opportunity to really use it as a customer service tool and ultimately what that all should drive to is to create that all-important first impression. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I think that's good and I think being quick at replying to messages from a customer's point of view, if you're not quick enough, they might just go on and find a similar service and contact them. Yeah. That is correct. That yeah. is correct. And I think this is a challenge. This is the world we live in. We live in, you know, an increasingly digital world. Uh, you know, we're all connected to our smartphones. You know, we expect a lot from businesses. And with horse businesses, you know, you don't want to leave yourself behind and leave yourself out of the running um, by just making little simple mistakes. And ultimately, I think customer service is so important for businesses because no matter how good your product or service is, if you have poor customers, service, you're not going to create that sale opportunity. And I think that you can really kind of put yourself on the back foot if you don't prioritize customer service. Yeah. All right. Sophie, as usual, this has been wonderful talking to you today. I'm sure that, um, you know, people can start to think a bit more about their horse business and bring some business principles 
into their horse business. You know, if we sort of cover topics like this every month, I think it's ideal for horse business owners or for people who are thinking about setting up a horse business. I think these topics are very good. Now, would you like to just go over how people can contact you again, please? Yeah, for sure. So my website is Archer Creative. It's www.archercreative.net.au and you're welcome to contact me on email. My email address is sophie at archercreative.net.au. Sophie is spelt S-O-P-H-I-E. And uh, my landline, if anyone would like to get in touch, I always welcome the opportunity to have a chat with people. Certainly any kind of phone call um, is not going to be something that my time will be charged for. So it is all complimentary. My uh, office number here in Brisbane is 1300 077 All right, Sophie, thank you very much again for talking to us today. Brilliant talking to you and we'll touch base again next month. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Glennis. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Thanks. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 